everybody welcome to the 366th edition of the holy backboard podcast i'm dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage in the last like three days i've played nba 2k against three professional athletes and lost every single time so i'm tired of these millionaire athletes bullying me in nba 2k it was it it, it was rough man davion mitchell and i Dropped about 70 points. Like, I got, I think I got 35. He got, like, 32. We fucking battled, and I, we lost. And then last night, I was playing with one of my friends and three randoms, and we went against this, the entire Seahawks, like, skill position players. And Kenneth Walker the third kind of made my life miserable with how he was playing defense. He, he hit the steal button, like, every second. And I know if they do that, I'm cutting to the hoop every time because it goes they go off balance. Didn't get I didn't get fed once because I probably could have gotten 30 points against Kenneth Walker if I had good teammates. But, you know, the the, the bullying of professional athletes needs to stop to me. <laughs> I wish that video games, sports ones would limit the amount of times you can hit a button in a row. Like, it's just like if the player's just not going to respond, like you can like steal like so 2k made it so there's an adrenaline bar so you have th- you t- basically have three times to hit it but that man like he, he was out of energy and hitting x still so i was like oh this is easy dunk like i i, I could do whatever i want e- easy dunks my bullshit ass teammates didn't pass me the ball hmm. kind of sounds like the portland trailblazers yeah uh so it has been it's been a rough week for your boy it's been a rough week for the trailblazers i've been I've been on the on the mend, dealing with the cold. Um, the little ones got got a stuffy nose, and when any parents out there that know a little one with a stuffy nose it doesn't sound bad, but when you're that little, you don't know how to blow your nose, and you don't like things going up your nose to suck all of the snot out of there. So it's just not a fun process, and it's just it's it's crappy to see um, your little guy like not a hundred percent, and you also just have this sense of defeat because it's the it's the cold season and probably just gonna have that runny nose for a while so uh kind of have to buckle up and strap in for that one but um olga got hit pretty hard still uh recovering from that so it's been been a rough week but sage do you know what's almost worse than dealing with sickness or caring for others with sickness it's watching your favorite team play just unwatchable basketball. And that's exactly what the Trailblazers have done on this road trip to start 2024. You look at uh, New Year's Day, blown out uh, by the Phoenix Suns, 109-88. to They play two probably the most non-contested games of the season, back-to-back against the Dallas Mavericks, uh, losing 126-97. Uh, and then without Luka Doncic, Grant Williams, and Derek Lively, they somehow decided to lose by 36 points, 109, 139 to 103 in a game that was a nine point game at halftime. You lose by 36 points without Luca in a half of basketball, pretty much unacceptable. They redeemed themselves a little bit, getting a nice overtime victory in Brooklyn against the Nets. Uh, Anthony and uh, Mikkel Bridges uh, 
had just a great back and forth battle. It was Malcolm Brogdon that brought it home for the Blazers in a 134-127 victory. But the Blazers were back on their bullshit in Madison Square Garden last night. Uh, really never even contesting the Knicks from the jump, losing 112-84. to um, Sage, where where do you want to start with this? Because it's, it's it hasn't been. It hasn't, like, to... We don't sugarcoat things here on the Holy Backboard podcast. Um, I'm not going to look for positives when there aren't very many. What what did you see this week uh, in Trailblazer basketball? Um, the Davion, uh, my uh, the uh, the Mikkel Bridges Anthony Simons battle reminded me of me and Davion Mitchell. But um, honestly, it makes me miss DeAndre Ayton and his defense because it was just easy 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 strolls to the basket every time without any bit of stopping them or like any like i get that wreath isn't the best defender in the world and baji is really a like a help side shot blocker but when you're just letting lucas stroll right into the paint and score kyrie irving josh green like when you have penetrating guards just going at you and there's nothing that you can do to stop it, like there's no resistance, no nothing. It made me miss DA and his at least he is a a detour to the people getting easy baskets. So it made me miss DA and his ability. And then it made me feel like Ant being hot versus cold is the way we either make it a game or or get blown out by 40 because even he in games that uh, we got our ass kicked, he struggled scoring and shooting in ways that like, Oh, he missed a, you know, a midi that he would hit nine out of 10 times. I feel like we're just getting the randomness in which Anthony Simon scores the ball is just, it's so it's such a huge deal to us because ant really is the, the alpha in scoring. And if he sucks, we're having a really rough, rough outing. Also, last thing, Tumani Kamara should not be starting over uh, Shaden Sharp. Those were all three of my points I have in my notes. I'll, I'll go by, uh, I'll adjust, or excuse me, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss uh, in order of, of what you referenced. So let's talk about the defense, right? In, in my notes, I have Portland's defense is offensive and pathetic in the paint. And when you look at how bad Portland's defense has been, Chauncey Billups knows how to play one type of defense. And it's it's, it's aggressive, and you're going to play the passing lanes. And if you're any sort of NBA coach, there's two ways to beat that. It's with passing, and it's with cutting. And Dallas just dominated Portland's aggressive defense with backdoor cuts. Um, you talked about Portland just allowing drives to the basket. And that's something that I noticed too. There was just not even an an effort. There there was really just a lack of intensity on this entire road trip where it's not even just a communication problem. It's, it's really digging your heels in and you're just not seeing that they're just, it's, it's, they're parading the, the opposition to the, the middle of the paint. And when you look at the, the two ways to be a really bad defense or being bad in the paint, and fouling and Portland is atrocious at both. So I just pulled some stats. Portland is the sixth worst team in fouling. They, they they'll foul you nearly 21 times a game. 
Conversely, they don't know how to draw fouls. They are the sixth worst in fifth worst, excuse me, in drawing fouls per game. They will only uh, draw 18.8 fouls per game. And when you saw that first Dallas game with Luca, yes, a lot of that I think has to do with the way the modern NBA is being officiated. But in general, the Blazers do not know how to play defense without fouling. And you start seeing this dominant offensive team getting into the penalty at seven, eight, nine minutes left in the quarter. And you're going to have quarters. We're seeing this too frequently where they're giving up 40 plus points in, in a quarter. You go back to the paint. And I think Deandre being out um, only adds to the, the inability to perform well in, in the painted area. But I was listening to the Mavericks feed and I don't know if this is still accurate. I was not able to pull this stat, but they said the Portland has the worst paint field goal percentage in the league. So that leads to your offense. That leads to your defense because you're not scoring easy buckets and you're getting beat in transition. However, on defense, Portland is the worst defensive rebounding team in the league. They only rebound the ball 29.3 times on the defensive glass. So they're giving up a lot of second chance opportunities and they're not being able to get out and run on, on offense. They allow the third most points per game in the paint, 56.3 points in the paint. I mean, you're just, you're giving up easy buckets. So you're fouling, giving up easy, 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 easy points of the cherry stripe, and you're giving up layups and dunks at the rim. And when you look at offense, so not only is Portland uh, the worst in the field goal percentage, but in total, when you look at how many points per game they score, only 41.4% of their points come from the paint. That is the fifth lowest in the entire NBA. And it's pretty mind boggling considering you have a good big like DeAndre Ayton, you've got athletic guards and Simons and Sharpen, and you've got a veteran in Brogdon and Scoot who can get to the hoop. Like they should be scoring a lot better in the paint. Um, so yes, I, I completely agree. The defense has just been really tough to watch. And another thing I noticed that, that you that you brought up Portland just does not compete when Anthony Simons is not hitting at all. And I think it goes beyond the box score, but just for, just for giggles, you look, he's, he went five of 16 in that, in that January 5th contest against the Dallas Mavericks, including one of seven from beyond the arc. And then, or excuse me, that was on the January 3rd, January 5th. One of eight from the field, one of four from three. So you're looking at, let me do some quick math. One of eight, six of 24. I mean, my God, that's 25% over, over the course of two games that the Blazers absolutely got boat raced. And I, I really think Portland has too many tough shot takers and two is too many. And Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons, when you watch when they're cooking, Jeremy is the best catch and shoot forward from three. Like, and he's, and he's quick. He is deadly and he's lethal. But when he gets into his Jeremy Grant, I'm the, the alpha of the team. Uh, I'm the go-to player. It, he's just dribbling into traffic, throwing up wild, crazy attempts. Simons has the same instincts as well. Like when he's, he's a phenomenal off ball player, but he has too many times where dribbles and dances with it and he's taking these contested step back threes it's like if it goes in like that's not a good shot the defenses are going to live with Anthony Simons taking fall away 30 foot threes like he needs to get into his move one two dribbles and if he can get the separation take it 
but they go east west too much with their dribbling a lot a lot of dancing out there yeah. with with the basketball and it's hard to win when 36 of your 90 field goal attempts come from players who take contested jumpers that's almost half of your field goal attempts and when you're also not good at finishing at the paint and scoring at the paint and getting to the free throw line this is how you have the fifth worst team in the entire national basketball association and were we um, this bad with dame with in getting in regards to getting to the line i don't know about that but i, I was looking at our at our pace of wins so currently portland is 10 of 10, 10 and 26 36 games in the books they're on pace for just under 23 wins so i went back and i was like okay this is the third year where we've been just a, abysmal the last year 2022-2023 you've got dame playing at the all nba level uh you're 19 and 17 through 36 games so you're plus nine wins this time last year they were on pace for 43 wins they ended with 33 wins all right so you're still if you end with 33 wins portland's on pace for 23 wins you're still down 10 games from last year you go two years back this is when dame played through new years uh and then was sidelined for the rest of the year without abdominal uh injury through 36 games they were they were terrible 14 and 22, only four games ahead of this year's pace. They were on pace for 32 victories. They ended with 27. Portland is still on pace for five fewer wins than that. Uh, I get it. You trade Damian Lillard, but you still have similar scoring in Anthony Simons. I think you have more depth this year with DeAndre Ayton and Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Shaden Sharp is, is coming along. Um, Matisse Thibault is probably playing the best basketball of his career. Like you, you have pieces and it's, I never wanted to get my expectations out of whack. I believe I had Portland finishing 13th out of 15th, maybe 12th out of 15th. Yeah, I'm finishing 12th out of 15th in the West ahead of San Antonio, Utah, and Houston. Right now, only San Antonio is underperforming those expectations. And then when you look at Utah, who I don't think has a better overall roster than Portland. I think it's debatable whether Houston does too, but they're coached by Will Hardy and Ime Udoka. Utah is fighting for a playoff spot right now. They're 18 and 20. Um, and they've been injured won, as hell. They won eight of their last 10. Houston, maybe the surprise of the league, is 18 and 17. They're the eighth seed right now. Um, you, you look, Houston just goes out and it's not like they they just completely upended the roster. They get Fred Van Vliet and, and Dylan Brooks. And I'm I'm trying to be rational and um, very uh, objective about it. I don't know if Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks are, if they're upgrades over DeAndre Ayton and Malcolm Brogdon, like those are both veteran players added. And you've got one team that's on the cusp of a playoff spot and another one, another bottom five finish. So it's the buy-in of our players versus the Rockets. And like, well, it's, if, it's buy-in, but isn't it also you have that coach that is making you buy-in? Well, buy-in to the, what, the, the sacrifice. Exactly. Like, let's be real. Fred Van Elite sacrificed a shitload to be on this Rockets team in terms of usage. He is not a high-usage rate player anymore. He gets assists, but he is not a huge part of the offense. Alperin Sangoon has been an absolute stud this year and is has like a 20% assist rate. Usage rate's really high. Fred Van Vliet bought into being a really good defender and then help on secondary. He also bought into that. Uh, oh, that hell yeah. 
And then <laughs> Dylan Brooks, like we may hate him for his dickheadish behavior, but he plays defense well and has really taken the sacrifice of not taking Dylan Brooks threes all the time. So you look at what the Blazers have done, and I don't th- like the the person that really has sacrificed when they've been in is fucking DeAndre Eaton from his usage rate. And then Shaden Sharp because all of these vets are taking his spots. And yeah, like uh, it, it has to be coaching and like schematically, I don't think it fits what our team is. And I, I you know, I, I care about drives per game. We're driving a lot, but I think that we're so adverse to getting contact or drawing contact and selling the fact that there is contact that we never go to the free throw line. Even though we have four dudes who drive it 10 plus times a game, we just never get that contact for free shots. I mean, our offense is awful. So if we had those free points, it would make things a lot easier. Like Scoot drives, Jeremy drives, Anthony drives, Shaden does too. Like I we we have to we have to go for that contact and that easy point since it's so difficult for us. Um but I also think Portland has not been aided by by the coaching Uh, i think the the rotations make little sense um you go back to the the back-to-back against san antonio where jabari walker was was absolutely everywhere especially in in that second one he was rewarded with like a reduced role against the phoenix suns on new year's day um you go back to when portland on new year's day in phoenix just for example they build an early first quarter lead and then Phoenix charges back with with Skylar Mays in the game, and you have Scoot and Shaden sitting on the bench. You know, Sh- Shaden Sharp and Malcolm Brogdon being the eighth and ninth men off the mm-hmm. bench in um, that Dallas game. Wh- what am I missing here, Sage? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I-, I think a lot of the lack of buy-in is lack of role definition, and I think you have players out there kind of winging it. You have Chauncey Billups kind of talking about, oh, how Shaden needs to be more aggressive. Of course, Shaden gets the ball into the fourth but quarter. Shaden, but Shaden doesn't know his pecking order. Yeah. He doesn't know where he falls. Like you've got the marketing department promoting Shaden Sharp for a fucking all star, and he's the the ninth player off the bench. Like there is a massive disconnect between the coach and the the business side uh, of operations, and it's it's just leading to just horrific basketball. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of knew we were. It was going to happen though, bro. Like you knew that. that- you knew that this was going to go off a cliff eventually. I just was, I knew we were in for a bit of a, of a, of a shit show. We were there opening night against Orlando magic and player introductions may seem uh, not like a big deal, but whoever gets introduced last is usually the star of the team. Right. And without Dame, it was like, who's it going to be? Are they going to, are they going to give it to scoot? You know, top three overall pick. Is, is it ants team now? They went with Jeremy Grant, who was a player that they they just re-signed to a big deal, but it was perceived to be that they just re-signed him because they wanted Damian back and that he would be moved. Um, and I was like, oh, like we're we're in for a, a weird season because JG now thinks that he's the guy. And when he thinks he's the guy, he takes really bad shots, doesn't pass the ball. Obviously, his rebounding struggles are, are well documented and have led to Portland's poor defense. But I think you just have these these weird undefined roles where guys who think they should be the guy shouldn't be the guy. And you've got players in waiting who maybe don't have the. The tenure 
to to go in and say no like give me the ball and i think that's why you're seeing shaden have great games one night and you know go through a stretch of scoring 24 straight uh, 24 plus points uh, in like four or five straight games to maybe six or seven points you know in three straight contests you've got scoot playing really well and then not finishing the game like you just don't know what Chauncey Billups is fucking doing. Is he developing the team? Is he trying for wins? It doesn't look like he's accomplishing really Either. anything yeah. right now. And um, hopefully we get some clarity at the trade deadline, which is the first Thursday in, in February. But it's it's just been even more of a of a roller coaster ride than than I even imagined. And I think it, there's just a lack of of true leadership um from from the head man. I mean Jeremy's never been that talkative dude. Malcolm Brogdon seems like he's just professional, but he's like the the only real talkative alpha on this team is Scoot. And I don't think that uh, Chauncey Billups has really taken the leader of men role well. Like, I don't know. He just like... the one good thing about us struggling is that it's highlighting Chauncey Billups as a bad coach. So if we can make a a decision on him being the fuck out of here, I'll take the, it. The confusion's fine. Yeah, I it's 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 funny. Um first thing in my notes, because it was the first game I watched was the Phoenix game when I was like, let Scoot work, all caps. In the Phoenix game, it took Scoot four minutes as the point guard to even touch the ball. I mean, he was getting anywhere he wanted to on the floor in that first half. And it just felt like the offense was more at ease with him uh, at the helm because he's looking to distribute. He's looking to get people shots in, in, in their shot pocket. Um, I, I just I, I'm not certain, like, how is Scoot developing when he's just sitting in the corner? Like, he's the point guard. He is a point guard. Like, I get it. Anthony is great with the ball in his hands. We know that. This is not what this season is about. We, Anthony's can can go four games without doing an isolation. He's still going to be elite at that. What we need to see is, hey, can Scoot run an offense and utilize Anthony and Shaden off ball? If Anthony and we just haven't even gotten a glimpse of that, it's like they're afraid to to try it out. Um, I was watching something on YouTube, uh, and Sean Hyken, uh, who I think is one of the better Portland Trailblazer uh, media personalities out there covering the team. But he was mentioning that the, the team like doesn't really believe that Scoot and Shaden are ready to kind of shoulder being the faces of the franchise. And, and I agree. But at the same time, I think we're in a catch-22 situation where if they're if they keep deferring to players like Jeremy Grant and, and Anthony Simons, are they ever going to be ready? So it's like it's one of those like sending your kid off to school moments. Like you just, you just have to do it. Like everyone goes to school, like get on that school bus or you're walking them into the classroom. Like it's time. So I think the Blazers really need to kind of share, get off the pot. And it's great to have veterans. And I think you can find them, but you've invested two horrific seasons to get Shaden and Scoot. You've traded the face of the franchise to draft Scoot Henderson. I mean, whether you want to say that's true or not, like they, they were enamored with Scoot enough to say, we'll, we'll wait for Dame to ask out, but we're not going to really welcome him back, right? So they really invested a lot in these two players 
at a certain point, like I know you don't want to be the Rockets of last year or the Pistons of this year, but you kind of have to take those training wheels off and just kind of let them fly. Like you, you can find some, if you want to keep Malcolm Brogdon fine, but he doesn't need to play 30 minutes. He can play 20. Like he can be there to, to mentor, but like you, you have to see what you have in scoot shade and you have to see what you have in, in, in ant throwing, throwing him in there. Like you can't just keep running this status quo lineup out there and thinking that, you know, Tumani Kamara is your big change. Like, oh, I'm developing Tumani. Like, we have a second-round pick starting at small forward. Last To your last point, yes, he, he should not be starting. I, I I don't – I appreciate how hard he tries on defense, but right now – Do you think he's pressing because we're so dog shit on defense that he's trying more I risky think, and honestly, risky stuff? Do you remember when Chauncey used to put J- uh, Jeremy Grant on point guards mm-hmm. last last couple years? And it just wasn't working like he may be long, but he just wasn't quick enough. He's putting him on, on guards that he has really no business staying with. Tumani does not have lateral. Tumani wishes he had the lateral quickness of Jeremy Grant. It's it's worse. It's and I think you're putting him in a position to to fail to fail. Yeah. Like exactly. I think he needs to be on a bigger wing defender. He has good instincts, but you can't, and I think. Terry Stotts kind of did this too when we got Robert Covington. It's like, oh, we have a decent defender. And Matisse Leibel is the same way too. You just save our defense. And that, that's not the case. Like you, you have to be able to adjust your defense and not play the same way all the same time. And I just I, I don't think he's giving you enough offensively. Like no. the shot is slow. It's it's not there. It's mechanical. Um he rarely is able to put the ball on the floor. I think Chris Murray moves much more smoother mm-hmm. on the court. Than than Tumani. So and Chris you, Murray moves like a robot, and he's more smooth. I would, if you're dead set on bringing Shaden off the bench, which which I am against. Fine, I think Chris Murray needs to take that starting spot yeah. because he does the little things like Tumani does. They're not going to show up in the box score, but like in that Phoenix game in particular, like I, I noticed that he was like cutting to the open space. Mm. He, he slides in to grab an offensive rebound uh, and, and put it back in. He drew a charge, the steal in the open court with the finish. Um, I was watching the the Mavericks game and I always watched the opposing broadcast and Derek Harper, former NBA player. Well, uh, I'm surprised Murray hasn't been out there more. He's the one guy on their team that can shoot it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, he, the shot does need to start dropping. He's 10 of 33 on the season, which is 30.3%. But I trust that the shot will start falling, and I think defenses will respect that shot a little bit more. So, you know, whether they move Jeremy at the deadline and that frees up some time for Murray or they, they kind of swap him and Tumani, like there needs to be a switch. I think Shaden's also a plus defender. Yeah, I, definitely. I, I, I would put Shaden over, over Kamar. Like, when you... Like when, when, the starting, a, a four, when the five. starting five goes out there and you've got Kamara and whether it's Aiton or, or Baji or, or Brown and, and Scoots out there, you've got three shooters mm-hmm. that the defense just absolutely does not respect. And they are just, they've got one foot in the paint at all times. And they're just yep. doing the step in, step out. So they don't get defensive three in the key because they just do not respect any of the shooters. You've got basically a square uh, you know, just a, basically a border around that paint, and they're they're not letting you in there. And I think that is what is also leading to Portland's struggles in the paint. Totally. Um, I, I think that like I I text you about Chris Murray's process, and it's just so much. His thought process is just so much sped up in uh, comparison to Tumani 
that yeah his shot is missing but he's doing everything in the grand scheme of of the game correct except the end result is you know he doesn't have enough arc on a shot and it misses but the process in which chris murray plays at is almost always correct there's a lot of times where i get frustrated watching tumani because it 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 takes like that half second longer to make a decision where instead of a wide open shot it's a little it's a contested jumper instead of you know making the right play on a rotation it he takes a little bit longer it's not like tumani's bad but Chris Murray just it's it the loading times faster, so he makes the decisions and it it, it feels right. I, I feel like Tumani is just in a role that isn't for, built for him. If he if he was our backup center or power forward, I think he would be more successful. But we, we're forcing a dude who's obviously a four to play three and guard. You know. Anywhere from De'Aaron Fox to Luka Doncic, and it's not. It, 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 I've I've said it all year. We're putting him in a position to fail, and now that teams have read up and there's a scouting report on Tumani and his slow release and his less than perfect processing speed, it's a lot easier to defend us. I think Chris Murray deserves to have more time, and honestly, we probably need to scale Tumani down to a backup four or five that plays really hard and we're satisfied with him, but him being the starting three when he can't have, when he doesn't have the lateral quickness to be a starting three is a disservice to him. And it's a disservice to the team. Yeah. We don't have any small forwards really, but putting it, putting a square peg in a round hole, isn't helping Tumani develop as well. Any thoughts on waving Skylar Mays and Ish Wainwright? You know how I felt about Ish, man. Like, Dude, he played I, five I, minutes I and took five shots and missed all five. Aggressively, yeah. yeah. I, I like. I was just like, "What do you do?" Like, I, I was like, "Ish, Ish Wainwright, what, what do you do?" Like, you're, you're not a great defender. You can't shoot. You can't dribble. Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to him as a person. Like, as, as a basketball player, like, I just, he's a very stout young man who plays a small ball four, and he can't really shoot, and he wasn't, you know, I, I, just, I just didn't see it. And because it, on my notes, I, I, I said the young players need to be more aggressive on offense. And I was like, players like Wainwright, Mays, and Thibault have no issues coming in and just jacking up shots. Like they, they it's like they had a quota to hit anytime mm-hmm. they came in the game, and they a were shot just a minute for ish. They were just letting it fly. Like I, I was a little bummed that Skylar Mays didn't uh, improve. I thought he had a strong end to the season last year. I thought he was actually playing pretty decent earlier on this year, but it, it did become evident that. He's a combo guard, bro. Putting him I, into... I, I don't like, know if... I, he He's not an NBA-level rotation player. Like, I think he's very, very end of the bench. He picked, got picked up on a two-way by the Lakers. And I, I think that's his skill set. He's going to have a night like he did against Memphis last season where he just went nuclear. He's going to have one of those once a season. Because he's but an NBA a lot player. of people have that once he, a Yes, season. He's, he's talented. Yeah. But you don't carry players on, those ro- on your roster when you only have 15 spots that have one nuclear game out of, out of, out of 82. So 
Uh, I think, I they, think... I, the the square peg round hole thing. They were trying to make him a point guard. He isn't a point guard. His he is a combo guard that's really smart guard. and tries hard. But he is not. There is a difference. Be, there's a difference between Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brown. Like the vision and feel for the game is a thing that you can't quantify. But when you see it, you see it. Like. Do you remember watching Jalen Brown college tape? It was atrocious. And then Tyrese Halliburton will always be able to have the vision. Skyler Mays just didn't have the feel to be a point guard, and we put him in that position. And then he had nuclear games and tried hard. And now now he's in a role where I think he's better for it. Um, I'm glad that he got the tape and is continuing his, his NBA journey. But... It, it it is what it is. I'm you know it does it it doesn't make me sad. I didn't see I didn't see either of them having a uh, long career with the Blazers. So you know maybe it's a sign that we're trying to trade Malcolm Brogdon or uh, Matisse Thybul for you know future assets. I just hope our listeners know how dedicated we are to the cause. Like not only did I did I listen to all of those games, but I went back and I rewatched those. On my I, my time is precious too with with a one year old, and you know how. Just, I was like shaking my head, like audibly, like gas groaning, watching though specifically those three games, both Dallas and Phoenix, like just horrendous. No, no, just there's no other, no other way I can describe that basketball. It was uninspiring. It just it looked like they couldn't care less to be out there, like no motivation you get smacked by dallas one night and even the announcer's like yeah i fully expect portland to come out and they just get walked all over Mm -hmm. um and it's 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 tough because i don't care about the wins i don't care about the losses but i care about competitive basketball especially when you're re-watching a game and it takes you know about 45 minutes to an hour and there could there's other things that you know Mm -hmm. you could be doing like it's fun watching good basketball and and it just hasn't been good basketball. And I I think I think fans are starting to get um upset and, and antsy and rightfully so. And and hopefully they can turn the ship around to it, just at least play, you know, entertaining ball. Um we saw that in Brooklyn, but it, it did not last. Before we preview the next three games, I'm gonna bombard you with a question that I've been thinking about since I've I've been a little bit sick and I've got time on my hands. Um, give me one extreme change to the NBA game that you would implement if you were a uh, commissioner. Hmm. You're going to say something about rest or, or, uh, uh, game Negative. management, right? Negative. Oh, really? Hmm. That's a very good one. Um, I don't know what the answer would be, but a more balanced way that doesn't incentivize tanking to improve your dream drastically. I don't know what it would be, but if we could figure out a way for it, not the best, if you're shitty, the best way is to tank to get more draft assets would probably be my my thing, but I I really don't know. What, What would yours be? So I've been watching a lot of 
of the early 90s Blazers, and I've also been watching the current Blazers. And it's night and day, really, in terms of style of play from both the opposition's the former Blazers, the current Blazers, just how how the game is being played. And there's plenty of players back in the 90s from 30 years ago that would have no chance at sniffing an NBA court. Players are, are bigger, faster, stronger, quicker, more talented across the board. And but but I also found myself being more drawn to that that early 90s game. Like when I'm watching the Mavericks and it's just like they, the shots may be going in, but like it's just like spamming the three point line. And I'm just like, OK, now everyone like has to be able to shoot the three. Right. Like even if you're seven feet tall, like you have to be able to shoot the ball, space the floor. My extreme change there. It's, it's an either or either you just remove the three point line Jeez. entirely or you put Four a quota line. on the amount of threes a team can shoot per game and you can keep the line. And if let's say it's 23 is a game and if you shoot the 21st one, it only counts for two. And the reason for that is talent is at all time high. I am not going to to argue that, but I don't like that. It's almost like the same type of player that's just put into the league now, right? Like you have to be at like your your six five, six eight, and you're shooting threes. So that that's not as enjoyable for me. And a little uh, anecdote for for all of my Willamette Valley heads out there: go to Albany, the Heritage Mall. There's a candy store called Candy Time, mid nineties. I go in there and I just get all of the buttered popcorn jelly bellies. That's always my favorite. And that's what I wanted. Well, I had like a handful and I was like sick of them. My buddy, on the other hand, got a variety of jelly beans. And it was just like, it was really much more enjoyable experience. Like I want to see different types of NBA players back in the game. I don't need everybody to be able to shoot the ball from 30 feet. Um, I think it kind of takes away from the, the just the, I don't know the luster of what like a Damon Steph can do. Like, I don't want everybody doing that. Like just let the handful of players do that. Um, maybe you remove the three and you're able to um, just get a different flow. And like, you don't have to just necessarily spam the basket. Like mid rangers are great. Like you could still get, get buckets. Another idea I had was expanding the court because we're watching these draft prospects. And like, I think in 10 years, if you're not like six, six or six, seven, you're not getting on the court. Like it's just slowly. I think with this year, you're it's totally. Uh, but I don't think the players are going to be in the NBA in ten years. Like you're looking at all of these like French dudes, and like they're just a bunch of like Kevin Durant was like a freak coming out of Texas, right? Like nearly seven feet tall and can can do everything. Starting to see like that's the archetype coming out of like they they're obviously not as good as Kevin Durant, but like these are just like we got freaky players coming in that they're just going to be able to. Like Wemba Nyama is like only the, the beginning. Like if you've seen Pacific Rim and you've seen the Kaiju coming out from, from Arena's Trench, like Wemba Nyama and Durant and Giannis, the, the, probably three of the first ones, but like that portal is opening yeah. and you're going to start to see that well, more, like the more. Evan Mobley in the mills. current NBA floor dimensions. They're not going to be able to hold that. So I think you need to expand and, and give those dudes some room to roam because it's I mean, I the, agree with you on the expansion of the court, but the limited three pointer thing is like the most old head thing that's ever been said on the podcast. And, and this is coming from someone who shoots threes. Like yeah. that's that's what I do. But like I just, it's not, it's just not fun. Like I just, I'm on totally one fine three, with it. Well, it, it I'm totally fine with the amount of threes being taken. Um, yeah, dog. I agree with what you're saying. With the players are only getting taller and. uh, more versatile and then you look at 
I, I can't wait for the Blazer fan. Like, let's say we have three or four picks. We're getting a small card with at least one of them. You know, there's so many. Like, the best players in this draft that are Americans, 6'3 guards. That's another thing. I, I think you're going to see less and less uh, Americans in the draft. It's, basketball is truly a global game. And you're going to start to see that that it, they're catching up easily. Yeah, I mean, uh, they oh, nearly they're... all of the best players in the league right now are foreign born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, using this draft class as a, a as this an example, draft class is like, horrible. It's it's dog shit. Like, yeah, Kevin McCullers wouldn't have been a fucking drafted player, and now and you know, shout out to him for his improvement. He's hitting the corner three. And you're a big really fan well. too. I, I love Kevin McCullers, but I was like, second round Kevin McCullers, let's get it. He's going to be a fucking lottery guy. <laughs> this draft sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, like, All right. The best four players are form born, and god damn it, they have flaws, bro. They're, uh, we'll talk about from, them soon. It's just they're two years away sick from and being it, two yeah. years away. But yeah, let's uh, take a quick preview. Um, because I can already tell I don't think the Blazers are going to uh, have too much success to end the road trip. And then we will look at the Phoenix game on the 14th, which is Sunday. So they have uh, three games and four nights, uh, Thursday at Oklahoma City, Friday at Minnesota, Sunday at home against Phoenix. Um, I don't even think we really need to break down uh, what's what's going to happen or what we're looking for. I think, I mean, you're you're talking about the top two teams in the West in Minnesota and Oklahoma City and a team in Phoenix that just waxed the floor with you. However, you beat them in in your own gym uh, just last month as well. So it, it's going to be interesting. I do think DeAndre Ayton returning makes a difference. In oh, terms it of makes a humongous difference. And the Edwards won't waltz into the fucking... But I, I think if Portland is to have, have a chance at, at to make... These games competitive, two things have to happen. One, the opponent has to take Portland lightly, which Portland has been on the other side of before. And two, they have to find a way to get their nose in there and rebound the ball. OKC is a tall, long, athletic team. Mm-hmm. Minnesota might be the biggest team in the league with with their three centers. Um, plus, they also have Kyle Anderson and Jane McDaniel. So they just have a really large team. And we just saw what happened on New Year's Day against the Phoenix Suns, even without Kevin Durant. And who knows what part of their big three is available, but... Um, if DA can't go, we we saw what Nurkic did to Moses Brown, and and, and it really wasn't pretty. He had uh, he was just bullied him in, in, in the paint. I, I think it's it's three losses for Portland. Yeah. I I think the Phoenix game might be competitive. I think it's going to get really ugly in Minnesota and Oklahoma City. Unfortunately, I just want to yeah. see. I just want to see if we get Scoot Shade and Ant time together. I want to see if if they are able to to get Scoot usage with the ball in his hands i, I want to see how many shot attempts they can find for shaden like what i don't want to see is a blowout and you've got half the shots coming from simons and jg like that's not it's just not worthwhile basketball to me so i, I just hopefully they're able to, to make some of those changes we're also starting to see like the the chris murray's and the rain repairs of the world get get in and uh it'd be nice to see if they get meaningful action because typically they're just in when the game's much decided when we're losing so, by 30 in the third quarter yeah, so I'd like to just see what they can do, get get their feet wet a little bit. Uh, Rayanne, especially, I don't think is uh, ready for long-term real NBA basketball, but give him a taste. He also had just like a 19.16 rebound performance for the remix, which is incredible. I'm like, I just give me rebounders, rebounders and playmakers. For the love of God, give me some rebounders and playmakers on this team because we need them in the worst way. 
Um, and I'm just excited to see his his development because I saw somebody on Twitter say the remakes are doing a great job of developing their players. They come up to the the, the big leagues, and Chauncey's just like, uh, isn't Pooh the coach? Uh, Jim Moran, Pooh Jeter oh. came over from the the Ignite. Um, I, I think he's doing something with the remix or the Blazers. I wasn't entirely sure, but I know Jim Moran, who was a former assistant under Terry Stotts, came back and is leading the remix charge. I, you know, like our team, it's rough for our team right now. I get it, but I, I, I'm waiting and ready to see us do something to alleviate the 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 blockage of minutes for our young players. So that, that I'm really excited for that draft. I mean the the deadlines and basically a month and some change. So. I'm hoping that some decisions get made. I, I obviously think we go 0 and 3 because we're playing real legitimate teams. And whenever we play against real legitimate teams, we get smacked. Yeah. If DA comes back, it make it, it's better because I if it's Dwap and uh uh Baji, Shade's going for 50. Uh Ant Man's going for 50. Find, like, if DA is not the guy, they need to find a, a reliable center that is not the same archetype. Like Baji and Brown, that's they're giving you the same thing. They're they're just they're very long, but they're also not strong. And they're, they're they just get moved around in the paint. Like, and especially it wouldn't be as noticeable if you had a four and a three that rebounded the hell out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Portland doesn't have that. So again, you're just there's a guy in the draft this year that's the best rebounder in a decade. To leave on a positive note, though, I was very happy for Shaden Sharp. Uh, game on the line. Five seconds left. He takes Nick Claxton off, off the dribble and has a really nice finish um, to get Portland a then two-point lead before Bridges tied it up to force overtime. But I, I love the fact that Shaden got the ball in crunch time, he had another opportunity earlier this year in against Memphis, hit those two free throws to tie the game with very little time left. So it's nice to see him get those reps uh, because against hopefully... a legitimately special defender in Nick Claxton, we yep. can say all on, we want. I, I, I've, I've talked endless amount of shit about how bad of a rebounder this team is, the Brooklyn Nets. But Nick Claxton as a defending big is one of the most special basketball players, you know, ever because there's not many that are built like him. So Shaden taking it on such a high level defender and scoring in such a clutch situation was huge. But, you know, I think I think it's time for us to wrap up since, you know, you're you're on daddy time, but you know, eventually I do want to do more future Fridays. There are some players that I think it would behoove laser fans to know quite a bit about. Um, so that will happen in the future. We'll still obviously be talking about the Portland trailblazers, but I think it's time for a mix of draft content. For better or for we, worse. We'll keep talking about the blazers. Yeah. All right. So we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere that you get your podcast, the Holy backboard you can find. We're on social media. We're, we're everywhere. Check us out and draft pro, uh, draft stuff will be happening very soon. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening and we out here. Peace. Later.
Later, bud. But Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.